This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer Amandine and Pippin is doing a dull Amroth swan dive off the top of the beacon into a large hot tub extra points welcome to light the beacons a Lotro podcast focusing on the multifaceted MMO RPG Lord of the Rings online as well as related topics in books movies gaming and the lore of Gerarar Tokian this is episode number 15 and I'm your host Bragg of the Lonely Mountain Vanguard of Western Gondor and Dwarf of Ill Repute. Once again, broadcasting live from LTB Middle-Earth-wide headquarters atop the Bridge Shard in the Foundations of Stone. Ah, I see the echoes of Moria's glory surrounding me. It's our second week of operation here, and things are still a little bit bare-boned. I mean, I've got a desk I salvaged from the 16th Hall... A few lamps, glowing mushrooms, really, from Darnabagood, but they're working fine. Uh, I got a little baby fumarole I put in the pipe stove to keep things cheery. Uh, and uh, I found out that those glow worms from the dark delvings can actually make a decent hammock if you get them going in the right pattern. So it's it's not much yet. I mean, this is a startup operation, after all, and some of the lower-level employees on the totem pole are going to have to forego salary for a little while until we get some cash flow. Speaking of which, hey, Grima, move that file cabinet over there. I know I said I wanted it over here, but that was before. Clearly, it looks better over there, doesn't it? Of course it does. So go ahead and move it now. Move it. Move it. <laughs> I don't even need a filing cabinet, really, but, but that guy's got a lot to answer for, so we're having a bit of fun at his expense. You should have seen him schlepping that thing down from the Orc Watch. I told him I wanted a Narder Station in the Grand Stairs first. <laughs> uh, okay, now be a good lad, Grandma, and fetch some tubers from Jazzergun for a little Elevensies action. If you're back quick enough, I'll let you lick the plate. Pip-pip and all that. <laughs> Look at him go. Okay, um, now that he's out of here, be that as it may, let's light our second beacon. Okay, it's time for CRA, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Not that I ever have many of those. Um, I do want to mention that Draculetta was nice enough to write into the show, pointing out that uh, my viewers are in fact cheaters. Those are the words he used, not my... He said, um, when we were discussing the potential for uh, farming some additional lizards out of each uh, Naladum... Uh, run if you want to try to work on your savior of Lothlori indeed. Uh, resetting the boss is considered a mild one, but an exploit nonetheless. Clearly, I am not condoning exploits. I mean, not when there are deed accelerators readily available in the Lotro store for just a few mythical coins. 
So go ahead and take advantage of that instead. Uh, no other viewer comments on the podcast this week. In fact, I'm pretty sure there were no viewers at all this week. At least I'm pretty sure. I mean, I guess I really can't know for 100% who could be out there potentially viewing me right now, hiding behind some of those huge purple stalactites, glob slabba dripping out of their noses, or even maybe watching over the interwebs. That's even creepier. Um, you know you're not viewers. Come on, guys. In this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in the game this week. We'll discuss some highlights from 14.2 release notes. Hooray! And some forum topics. I spent some time reviewing on the future of Endgame that I found of interest. Lastly, if there's time, we'll cleanse our palates using a sorbet. So, in the meantime, let's light our third beacon. Nardal. Okay, this week in Lotro, another Tokian news. So, what have I been doing in game? Brezel, my minstrel, was working on uh, her last virtue that needed to get to 19, which was wisdom. And I searched and I searched and I searched through my deed log until I found, finally, the only wisdom deed I could find that was outstanding. Snowcats in Wildermore. So I headed up to the high, uh, what was it called? The high slopes or the high cliffs, high bluffs. Have to look at my map. And I said, here, kitty, here, kitty, 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 wham! So one thing I was noticing uh, is um, going on a Slayer Deed allowed me to try out my new uh, Second Age club for my menstrual, which was nice. Um, not that I was using it much. Obviously, the majority of DPS from your minstrel comes from her light-producing skills. Most of her call-to-war skills, as they're sometimes termed. And, uh, you know, I was going through the rotation because I hadn't, uh, you know, really been uh, DPSing on my mini in, in some time. And I noticed that um, really the bread-and-butter skill for me, there are a couple nice ones out there that can crit pretty high. But... Uh, the bread and butter is really the call to fate. Um, you know, I would say it was critting, it seemed like, almost half the time. It probably couldn't have been that high, but uh, it was critting a good percentage of the time. And when it did, it was hitting for between 14 to 16K. Nice. Who needs a Cappy on horseback? Well, I might, as we'll see later. But in the meantime, uh, I did notice, as I mentioned, that the amount of deeds for wisdom seemed disproportionately low compared to some of the other virtues that are out there. This was basically the only wisdom deed I found left in my whole deed log. And, uh, um, you know, it was to get to 19, whereas some of the virtues that Bragg owns, where I've done a majority of the deeds, you know, are enough to get me up to level 25 or even 26. And I'm not sure I've even done all the deeds for some of those virtues. So... There's something missing here. Either there are you know, deeds out there for wisdom that I have not even uh, got put in my D-log yet because I haven't even started you know, the most basic level, but I would think that would be pretty rare. So uh, at least from my perspective, it looks like the number of deeds available to finish out your wisdom and get it to level 19 is disproportionately low, um, unless I'm missing something. So if, uh, if you guys have found the same, please let me know. But right now it looks like you pretty much need every one that's available if you want to max that out. 
So I find that wisdom is a pretty pertinent virtue option for most caster classes. It's got benefits to will, in combat power regen, and resistance, respectively. In, co in combat power regen is not as important as it used to be for some classes, but um, still, still pretty, um, you know, still pretty important overall. And uh, and who knows, the pendulum may swing back at some point and create power issues for some classes. Um, anyway. Like I said, it was a good option to test out my new Second Age Level 100 Club. Uh, I like the user interface on it. It's uh, it's a good visual graphic for the club. Uh, obviously, I use a club for my mini because she is a hobbit, and hobbits get a a. I know it's small, but they do get a club damage bonus. I think it's uh, one or two percent, and uh, heck, it's all about maximizing everything, right? Um, and I kind of like the the sound a good club makes. If you ever played with a good two-handed club, it makes a good whacking sound when you hit someone over the head with it. And one first stage, uh, one-handed clubs, um, not quite that cool sounding, but still pretty good. Um, so I did craft a new second age level 100 club for my minstrel. It doesn't have the perfect legacies, but it'll do for now. Um, so the ones that I absolutely want on my club, um, you know, are all focused on you know basically her role as a healer. Anthem duration is crucial. Have to have it. Uh, triumphant spirit cooldown um, I find uh, to be indispensable. And lastly, healing induction. Uh, all healing inductions minus 10%. So those three are really kind of the holy trinity as far as I'm concerned on a mini weapon. Um, apart from that, I have a little more flexibility. I usually pick uh, minor ballad damage increase too, since the one it's the one I use most soloing. That is the one that maximizes DPS percentage uh, the most. So it's I find it's the the one I use most frequently in my rotation uh, when I'm soloing for DPS. And aside from that, the rest can be pretty much be flexible. Um, you know, flop cooldown is handy at times. Uh, you know, a lot of people. Don't think the rest of the virtues are as critical, and they'll just sub in, you know, um, a couple will, a couple will bonuses. Uh, I don't tend to do that, but I understand, uh, you know, why. Um, it is definitely a, a viable option. Um, okay, so what else did I notice this week in game? This is a random thought. Uh, you know, I was going through my bags when I was done deeding, and I came across a whole bunch of RK rifflers. Does anyone know what a Riffler is for an RK? I mean, I've been playing with them in game for for years. I, I really can't say I know what a Riffler is. Uh, you know, is it a party balloon or what? <laughs> uh, I think it has to do with some kind of scraping tool that you would apply to your runestone, but it uh, seems a bit arcane to me. All right, so secondly, I did want to talk. I spent a little bit of time uh, working in the Farmer's Fair. Um, before it got, uh, I believe it's closed down now. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I know if it's still open or not. I'm done with it, that's for sure. Um, so let's talk good and bad about the Farmer's Fair, because I don't think I've mentioned it on previous podcasts. Uh, I think, actually, there are a couple things that are decent about it. The egg hunt and the mushroom hunt can both be kind of fun uh, once you get the hang of them, and they both have decent rewards for tickets for the time spent. So when I do find I want something from the Farmer's Fair, usually the mount, but maybe something else as well, uh, I do find that I, I try to get the mushroom and egg hunts in on a regular basis because they've got the best you know, reward for time ratio in my experience. Um, aside from that, if you don't like fishing, you're kind of out of luck at the Farmer's Fair. 
the quests around the town square, I've done most of them. I think they're a bit lame in general. Um, you know, some of them can be kind of fun once or twice. Some of them are kind of annoying. I think uh, it's a lot of people that are frustrated by the Feed the Mayor quest line. Uh, you know, throwing apples out of bounder is pretty easy if you stand behind the building so you can't get caught. Uh, running errands all over the Shire and, um, you know, working in the apple stall and having to run around and grab the ingredients. That one's kind of a pain, actually, I found. So, um, so mostly I do egg hunt and mushroom hunt and maybe a little bit of fishing when I want to generate farmer's tokens. My biggest issue with the farmer's fair is that it's not needed, uh, in my opinion. Why try to fill every month, basically, of the year with some kind of festival event are there really that that many players that only do festival events and will feel lost and aimless without them? I, I don't think we need another horse or one or two cosmetics uh, to add to the basic four-season festivals. Um, you know, I'll grant you the anniversary one. I think that's worth celebrating. Uh, Farmer's Fair is, is filler. Farmer Fair filler, I'll call it. Triple F. And uh, F might be the grade I'd give it. Now, it's, it's not quite that bad, but again, it's unnecessary. Um, I would rather much rather they spent the time that it took to develop this farmer's fair and resources to add cool, meaningful content to the existing festival festivals out there, which are getting rather stale. So that is to say, instead of a farmer's fair, I would have much rather seen them add something fun to the spring festival or the summer festival that isn't there before. I think uh, most of the players have noticed that over the last two years, uh, the festivals, for the most part, have become stale. Um, you know, they had a huge win when they added the, uh, you know, Bilbo's uh, Burrow for the fall festival, uh, Halloween-themed. And I also thought it was a huge coup to create Winterfest for the Winter Festival to do something different and really fun and uh, kind of new. But since then, you know, things have definitely stagnated in the festival land. And, uh, you know, it's obviously they're dedicating resources in other areas now that they have stuff that's serviceable. But if they don't want the participation in festivals to fall off precipitously, I think they're going to need to at least add, you know, one or two new fun areas of content or something different. You know, if, if you overhauled one festival per year uh, so that it had something completely new like Winterfest or, or Bilbo's Burrow, I think that would keep it fresh, you know, so that every festival would get some love every four years. Um, you know, adding the Farmer's Fair, you know, was just a, uh, resources that could have been spent cleaning up the other festivals. So I think I've made my point there. <laughs> um, anyway, I got my Farmer's Festival horse, and then I dropped it like a rock. So what else have I been doing? Uh, Bragg got in on some OD runs. Um you know, now that those have been prevalent as people made the push for first ages before 14.2 hit the rocks, I know there there are still people that are that join the instance, you know, not knowing the mechanics of the instance, just because there's a lot of calls for it, and that's fine. I, I don't have any problem with that. Everyone's got to learn an instance for the first time. There's lots of new players in the game. It seems to me, at least, that there are a lot of people in game asking kind of basic general questions, either returning to the game after a long time off or, or maybe starting and racing to end cap and never really doing a lot of instances and not having a lot of experience, which is which is good. I don't know. I've just seen kind of an influx of that from chat recently. Um, so I'm not sure if that's uh, an aberration or if it's a trend. Uh, if it's a trend, it's great. 
But um, what I'd encourage people to do if they're listening out there and you haven't done an instance before, that's okay. Just ask what you should be doing and try to follow instructions. Um, there's nothing worse than someone that comes along and doesn't speak and, you know, the raid leader asks, does everyone know what they're doing? And they're so afraid of getting kicked out that they don't speak up and say, you know, this is my first time here. Would you mind going over my role really quickly, letting me know where I should stand and what I should be focusing on? Uh, I would a hundred times rather see that than someone kind of quietly trying to hide in the back and not understanding what's going on and either not contributing or really, you know, uh, making the raid fail uh, through some inaction or action that, uh, uh, you know, is basically ignorance. So the worst is when you don't admit that you haven't been the instance and you just keep being ignorant. Take your medicine, you know, find a raid leader that's willing to be patient and at least explain the basics to you. You know, take as much in, and uh, I would say, you know, maybe privately message other classes in the raid uh, that are in your class and get instructions from them on the side so you're not uh, deterring the raid leader and kind of slowing things down. Um, I, I'm always happy to help someone who doesn't know what they're doing so that we can all succeed together. Um, so in the OD run we did... Um, we got uh, one symbol on the fear wing, one first aid symbol on the wound wing, uh, neither to me, and none on the disease and poison wings. I did get a crystal, which is always welcome. Um, you know, they don't make a huge difference, but they're nice. Uh, you know, at least it's something different than, you know, an, an ally rune and some silver. Um, in the poison wing, we, we had kind of an epic battle. It was a lot of fun. At the end of the fight, uh, you know, uh, again, there were people in there that didn't understand the mechanics. They were uh, standing too many on the platforms and causing them to collapse and also um, not standing in the grid square where the boss is so that he was turning around and throwing rocks at people. So we were losing some folks left and right, even though it was only Tier 1. Uh, at the end of the fight, there were three people left, me, a healer, and I think a lore master. Um, and uh, the boss had about 40% of his health still. And the three of us were able to take him all the way down and, and win the fight. And, uh, you know, some of my favorite moments in the game are instances where, you know, even if it's not you, if it's you, that's great. It's even better. But, you know, when there's only one or two characters left and the boss is almost down and they're blowing all their cooldowns, they're doing everything they can. And, you know, you rescue victory from the jaws of defeat. That stuff is fun. So that was a good fight. Uh, I love it when fights go like that. That's a good time. And, uh was cool to see uh, the three remaining players uh, work effectively as a group and, uh, you know, communicate about power issues and about wounds and about placement and, uh, and uh, work it down and win for the team. Hooray. Um, so I do have a little more to talk about what I've been doing in-game, but I think I'll roll that into my discussion of the 14.2 release notes. So with that, we'll move on to our next beacon. Eralas, the fourth beacon. Well on our way to Edris. So, 14.2 hit the servers yesterday. Uh, I have been in game some. Not enough to have a lot to say, but a fair amount, so I can at least start, and we can continue. The first thing I noticed when I logged in is I received a title called Vanguard of Western Gondor. This included two major essences, 10 turbine points, and a gift box filled with three different purple helms which were bound to account. 
so it could be handed out to alts potentially. Um, each of the three helms had three uh, available essence slots. So this is not as good as the teal gear that is barterable in Dol Amroth, but uh, still you can give them to alts since they're bound to account and uh, uh, certainly better than nothing for some of the folks that didn't have top raid gear coming out of Western Rohan. So Vanguard of Western Gondor, as I looked it up and discovered, is uh, a title for a deed that is completed when apparently when you finish the uh, end of the quest chain for Tarling's Crown, um, where you kill Azeroth and uh, complete all the group content there. Some of you may remember uh, that the last episode I went on a rant that uh, at the end of all that content there was you know basically very little reward available it was some silver and some dull Amroth silver tokens it was it was kind of a joke I went off on a rant and apparently production malfunction or some of the other producers of Lotro are listening to light the beacons because this was addressed so uh, I'm not 100% sure if this was a bug. It was supposed to have been bestowed originally, and uh, you know they fixed the bug. Or if they heard um, some viewer feedback, and I know you're not viewers, but heard some of your feedback and um, and changed uh, you know changed the approach and decided that uh, the community was right and that was worthy of more reward. I like to think they were listening to light the beacons, um, but in any event. You know that those uh, I think the rewards are very much in alignment with what I uh, mentioned. I thought would be appropriate. Uh, so now we're talking. Good job, turbine. Um, the next thing I noticed when I opened up my inventory is new icons for some of the questing, uh, for some of the crafting uh, materials that are out there. I uh, looked at my pinch of Westam net herbs and I said those don't look the same as they looked before. And then I looked across at some of the other icons. I said, that Skarn doesn't look like it looked before. And then the big one, emeralds. Emeralds are actually emeralds now. Oh, such a relief. So I didn't know this was coming. Um, you know, I, I don't go on Bullroar typically. But even the folks that have been on Bullroar, I didn't hear anyone mention this. So I'm not sure if this was... Uh, telegraphed on Bullroar, and I just didn't do my research, or if um, you know this was a surprise from Turbine, but it was a welcome surprise. We've been talking about the lack of uh, new icons for crafting materials for quite some time. It was a glaring omission, and really happy to see that they addressed it. Uh, the next thing I noticed is that uh, there was no indication when I logged in of how to start the new quest line. Um, you know, I actually knew about this from reading the release notes while it was down. And it seems like Turnbine thinks the release notes really should be the official way to communicate how to start uh, new quests for updates. Because um, when we logged into game, um, there was no mail message, there was no pop-up, there was no uh, indicator that, you know, a new quest line was waiting. You know, typically they, they do it through a mail message saying so-and-so wants to talk to you. Um, so I think this is an issue. I think, you know, there's a level of player that's savvy enough to go out and find the release notes in the game, and there's a level of player that didn't even know 14.2 was dropping this week. And you can't depend on players going out to the release notes to figure out where the quest chain starting uh, for the next piece of content. You, you've got to disclose it. So um, that's something Turbine needs to work on. Um, 
for those of you who weren't aware, it does start with um, the leader of the Avorum in the cave of the Avorum, northeast of Dol Amroth, along the Bay of Belfalus. So if you run in there, you'll find an indicator uh, pointing you to a quest in the Dead Marshes. Um, so after I was able to uh, locate that quest and find the stable master in the cave of the Avorum with the new swift travel up to the Dead Marshes, I did port there, and I opened up the Dead Marshes map and took a look, and, and I tried to back out of the Dead Marshes map to see the larger map. And I was a little disappointed that the Dead Marshes were not linked into the open world map. Um, so, you know, I know that there's no way to get there from the landscape yet, and that's okay. But I still think they could have indicated the Dead Marshes on the map uh, and enabled you to, uh, you know, to double-click in there and, you know, enlarge and see the detail. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not a huge chunk of land mass, but it's a decent size. And the Dead Marshes are an iconic location, and I'd like to think that eventually you could run there on the landscape, uh, you know, once they build out some of the lands closer to Mordor. So I would like them to see them link the Dead Marshes map into the open world map at some point. Even if, if, for now, you can only reach it by swift horse. Um, so I didn't do a ton of twest questing in the Dead Marshes. It was late. Uh, I basically ran around, completed the first level of kind of slay some works and find out what's going on type stuff. Um, you know, I think uh, it does have a different look and feel. You know, the closest thing to it is the marsh that's in the Great River region. They use some of the marsh grasses there, I think, kind of reapplied them with a different brown setting. Um, I do like the little swamp gas or ethereal ghosty effects that are floating around. Um, I was a little disappointed to see that there were new, no new mobs for the, uh, the wraiths uh, that were in the water there. So basically they're reusing, you know, Dreadmist or, you know, wraiths that we've seen uh, in countless other locations, most recently in the water in Tarling's Crown. And, you know, it's not that they're not appropriate. It's that I expected the Dead Marth race rates to be a little different. So maybe I need to go and take a closer look and see. Maybe they made some art changes that I'm just not seeing at first glance. But it looked like they took mobs that they had existing and they just populated them in there. And, uh, again, I have not been very far into the game yet, but I am hoping. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm a little disappointed if this is the case. But I'm hoping that there are wraiths that are under the water that you'll trigger from walking over them so that they'll rise out of the water and scare the crap out of you. Um, so hopefully we'll see some of that as I penetrate the marshes more. The general aesthetic is fine. Um, you know, I haven't seen the orc camps in there yet. I haven't seen any detail that kind of stands out. Right now it's just a bunch of interconnected pools. So hopefully there's a few more milestones in there that kind of, uh, you know, give it an identity and separate it from some of the regions we've seen. And as I explore it some more, I'll let you know what I think. Um, one other comment about it. Uh, right now we have to, you know, right now there's still a lot of people obviously doing Dol Amroth dailies and uh, exploring the Dead Marshes. And we could use a milestone in the Cave of the Vorm, yes? Yes, we could. Um, you know, to have to run up there from Dol Amroth and run into the cave and go to the back. And I'll, again, if there's a milestone in the cave, I'm, I'm missing it, but I don't think I am. I don't see one indicated on the map. We need a milestone in the cave of the Avorum so that we can uh, port there quickly, bind there to the milestone, port there quickly to get to the Swift Horse and back. 
um, you know, unless you're already done with Dolan Roth dailies. And I don't think there are too many people that are, uh, depending on when the paths of the dead were cracked open on your server. So, turbine, fix it. Brag fixes Lotro, BFL. Um, so, I did want to go through, I didn't want to read the release notes verbatim. I know some other podcasts do that. But I did want to pick out some highlights. Grima, get my reading glasses. Under under the desk. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Now, wave that palm frond over my head while I'm reading this. Fast, Faster, dagnabbit. All right, better. Okay, so here we have 14.2 release notes. Um, of special note, it gives you a little background about the steward of Gondor's uh, lackey that he has sent to the Dead Marshes, Artemir, son of Ilkamir. And I'm not sure if those names are actually from the lore. I don't recognize them if they are. So he's uh, sent to the Dead Marshes on a mysterious errand, which makes me think he was basically sent there by Denethor. Um, to look for the ring, probably. And uh, I think this makes sense. So I know there are a lot of people that, when we were talking about the Dead Marshes, they were like, this is lower-breaking. You know, Sam and Frodo and Gollum are only supposed to, are the only ones that are supposed to be there, and there's lines from the book saying there are no orcs for miles around. But this is exactly how I envision this, uh, being able to visit the Dead Marshes. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later in the show as well. I think we can be and should be um, in the wake of Frodo and Sam on their journey. Uh, you know, we, we want to see these locations in the game that they're visiting. They are iconic. We can't be with them. We can't be in front of them. But we can certainly be behind them trying to keep uh, other parties off their trail and, uh, you know, assisting them unbeknownst to them. So this is exactly how I envision this uh, playing out. I think I did mention that you know, there has to be a bit of a suspension of belief that you can, you know, in the space of, I don't know, maybe half an hour ride uh, all the way across Gondor, no matter how swift the horse is, uh, in order to be in the dead marshes at this point in time. So, um, you know, I understand if people want to get hung up on that, they can, you know, but it's a game. We all want to see the dead marshes, and this is the best way to do it. You know, I think I suggest that at the time that an eagle ride would work just as well, but... If they don't want to break lore by letting us ride eagles, then they have to say our horse is really fast, akin to the Miras. And I think I predicted that as well. So, um, doing pretty well on that count so far. Um, so I think they set that up well. Uh, I think it, uh, you know, it gives leeway within the lore to say, you know, in the wake of Frodo and Sam's passage, you know, there are spies out there looking for them, and there are some things that we can do to help. Um, so further down the release notes, we see the premiere of the collection system. I did open up the collection system and check out uh, how Bragg was doing amongst a number of the collection items. Collection system, I think, is a good addition to the game. It's you know, it's uh, it you know, it's good marketing for Lotro Store to you know enable people to go and find these items and complete collections. Um, it gives the images so that you know exactly what it is that you're looking for. And uh, I think best of all, it gives an indication of where in game or out of game you can find the items that you're looking for. So, uh, you know, really puts them on people's radar screen at their fingertips as opposed to having to go out to player guides or wikis or so forth to find some of that stuff. So I think the collection system is a nice addition. I did note that, um, you know, they have a number of collection of steeds, but there are far more steeds out there in the game than they're representing in their 
UI. So I'm hoping they might expand that over time to show all the different steeds that are available out there um, so that I can see all my steeds that I own and kind of get a count. Um, I also noticed they added frogs to the collection. So um, most of the frogs indicate that they can be found in Western Gondor, so maybe an upcoming update uh, that's already being worked on. It might be an indicator. And they did note that one of them could be found, uh, I think, as a warband prize in the Dead Marshes. And I saw someone in game tonight um, come up with that tomb. So, um, so there. Frog pets. All right. All right. I'll, I'll admit this. I did crack down and buy a white swan this week. I just had the tokens. Figured why not. Uh, although I do want the black one. Um, <clears throat> saving up for that one as soon as I get my swan knight reputation maxed out, which hopefully should be shortly. All right, so what else we got? Um, quests. There are a couple quest improvements that were mentioned. The only one I thought that was noteworthy is that uh, one of the Dol Amroth quests where you go out to the island, I think it's Tall Adjual, and um, you have to... Uh, you have to defeat uh, sick Corsairs and then give them medicine or burn them or something like that. Um, so I did notice that uh, that if multiple players um, took down the Corsairs originally, only one person could get credit for that part of the quest. And now they're saying everyone that taps the target can use the sick Corsair when you're done. So that's good. Uh, it takes out the competition. Uh, there were a number of class skill updates. You know, most of these are basically a collective meh from the crowd. Uh, one small change to burglars, uh, three or four to captains, and uh, three or four to guardians. But nothing that I noticed that really uh, made a big splash uh, worth mentioning. Um, skirmish soldiers and traits. So this was kind of a big change, I thought. Um, many of the traits for skirmish soldiers have been increased across all of their ranks. So soldier DPS has increased. Ultimate skills do damage have a non common damage type, which should make them more effective. Uh, in general, soldiers are more effective now as most of their traits have increased. So, um, I haven't done a solo skirmish yet with my soldier to evaluate their new capabilities, but good to hear that they'll be helping out more. It just sounds like it was kind of an adjustment that needed to be made uh, so that they were pulling their weight in skirmishes at higher levels. And uh, also, skirmish soldiers can now be trained up to rank 50, increased from 45, to unlock these ranks, players will need to purchase the Skirmish Trait Max Rank 50 item available in the Lotro store. And uh, I'm going to look up and see how much that costs. Okay, so it looks like that uh, is going for 195 turbine points in the store. That is actually much more reasonable than I expected it to be. Um, so uh, kudos on turbine. I thought maybe they'd try to gouge us on that one, but I think that's very reasonable. Uh, although I will tell people that I think... Um, you were able to get your skirmish traits up to current level uh, without having to go above 45. I think when Bragg got to 100, I think I leveled his skirmish shoulder and was able to do that. And the way the skirmish traits work for soldiers is, um, you know, the higher the level you try to get them to over your level. So if I'm level 100 and I try to get his skills up above that level, they actually get exponentially more expensive um, as you try to level them above your character's level. Um, so I think it would actually be, although the skill itself, to get them to level 50 is only 195 skirm, um, only 195 points, and I'm sure Pineleaf already has it, um, 
I think the number of uh, you know skirmish marks it would take to to get all the traits up to that level would be probably pretty prohibitively expensive. What will be interesting interesting to see going forward is if um, if the skirmish trait max rank is adjusted uh, as they've done in the past as the level cap goes above a hundred and they have new items in the store that say okay 50 is now obtainable you know via landscape and if you want to get trait max rank up to 55 or 60 you have to buy an item so um, I'd like to see how they handle that going forward but uh, I probably in general don't feel like I need that much help for my skirmish shoulders right now um, I've been handling tier 3 skirmishes with most of my characters uh, you know as a good challenge but uh, but we'll see if I have the skirmish marks and I can't figure out what else to spend them on I may, may look at it okay general items and loot um, so also in the skirmish camps they change the cost for level uh, legendary item upgrade legacy offers from 65 to 95 um, Symbols of the Elder King, which is for first stage weapons, no longer require the Erebor challenge deed to get to level 65, 75, 85 level symbols. I think that's good. And they've knocked down prices for bartered skirmish items. Um, for example, you don't need seals anymore for big battle jewelry. Um, so I think this is all positive. This is adjustment saying, you know, this is no longer end game. It should be easier for people to get because finding groups to get the Erebor challenge deeds done is going to be near impossible at this point for tunes if you if you don't have them already um, and you aren't in a you know raiding guild with a lot of people coming up at that level. So I think those are general enhancements that are positive. You can now get cosmetic pet Hjorns for 375 Fangorn leaves. Ouch. Um, since I was never able to get one through the RNG. Maybe I'll look at how many leaves I have if I can't find anything else to spend them on. The Moria Geode is now a housing decoration item available from the Iron Garrison. That is something I believe I have to have. So I'm going to be taking a look at that in-game. Uh, you may remember the Geode is kind of a, uh, you know, a classic milestone in Moria that's... Um, uh, just kind of west of the um, west of the first encampment area, as you walk along, uh, I think it's uh, Durin's near Durin's vault. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how large it is, because it's very large in game. It would be cool if it was a large yard item. Okay, um, essence reclama reclamation skull has been added to loot tables as a barrier drop as well as loot tables used by burglars when they pickpocket from monsters. I love the fact that they're giving the burglars some incentive to go out and pick pockets from monsters. Uh, the only reason I ever did that uh, was when I was grinding his class trait point. And, uh, you know, the rest of the time it was pretty much a waste. So um, kudos on that. And it's nice to see you can find those essence reclamation scrolls in-game. Uh, here's the big one. They removed the chance of getting a level 100 first stage symbol from the tier 1 Ost Dunhoth instance. So clearly the devs are watching what's going on in game. They see that the OD runs are happening. Um, you know, they're being farmed for those first stage symbols. And uh, that have now been removed. And guess what? When I logged into game today, the first thing I saw was uh, Ost Dunhoth tier 2 challenge or tier 2 raid forming. So. Um, so the players are making the adjustment, and uh, you know now that we've had plenty of practice runs on Tier 1, 
tier two, go. All right. Let me see. What else? Uh, miscellaneous bug fixes. So they now have the preload of the client game logic dat files, which is supposed to um, enable launch faster for many users. I did see um, some of that data being downloaded uh, as I logged in earlier today. I didn't notice a huge difference when I logged into the game with my character, but I'll monitor that going forward. It can only be positive, hopefully. Um, Combat state immunities will now affect roots, which is uh, something you might want to know if you're a lore master. Uh, oh, I like this one. Uh, monster corpses should no longer show quest rings until decay unless they have a quest action available. So uh, there were a lot of monsters that there in a landscape with rings over their heads that were dead, and when you clicked on them, there was nothing you could do with them. So glad to see they're addressing that. And they fixed the Lamidon Turtles. So that uh, quest for the Dal Amroth docks is finally open again. It took a little longer than it should have, but glad to see they addressed it eventually. All right, I think that's uh, fair enough exploration of our 14.2 release notes. Let's move on to our next beacon. The fifth beacon, Min Rimon. Uh, normally we have a word from our sponsors uh, when we're discussing Min Rimon. But this week we have something special, a little different. Um, Light the Beacons wants to give back to the community, right? It's not all about uh, advertising and sponsorships and all the cash. I mean, you know, like I said, we're a startup operation. We could use the cash, but we also have to give back to the community. So here today, instead of our sponsors, we'd like to take a look um, at a new charity that we signed on board that we're uh, helping to promote. Hello friends, I'm here to talk to you today about the Oak Heart Foundation for Slow-Moving Children. Do you know a sloth, slug, turtle, or manatee? These are world-class sprinters compared to the kids we work with on a daily basis at the Oak Heart Foundation for Slow-Moving Children. Our founder Sarah knows firsthand what it's like to face the perils of Middle Earth while suffering from this affliction. She had to suffer the indignity of being fish-slapped repeatedly in raids and instances, having minstrels, loremasters, captains, and guards jump back and forth over her head, shouting and jeering at her to hurry up on a daily basis. Did she let that get in the way of her plans for evil world domination? Of course not. You too can turn your frown upside down. Keep your eye on the prize and turn that negative acceleration into evil ambition. That's why Sarah started Camp Delacid to help accelerative ambulation-challenged children realize their wicked schemes for world domination. Come try our workshops in Ring of Power Forging, Evil Disguise Design, Rotting Diary Obfuscation, and of course, Advanced Hobbling and Aimless Wandering. Do you have an oaken heart? If so, please give generously to this wonderful charity because the only thing worth wasting his time. Okay, so that was the representative from the uh, Oak Heart Foundation for Slow-Moving Children. Um, I guess that would be OFSMC for short. Uh, Obfuscum. And uh, please uh, give generously. And with that, let's move on to our sixth beacon. Callanhad. So 
at the Callanhad Beacon this week, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about a forum discussion I saw uh, in out there uh, that addressed the issue of grouping, dwindling server numbers, the 10% figure, the mythical 10% of uh, raiders and PVMPers in the game, etc. Um, so if you go out to the forums on uh, Lotro, and I don't recommend that you do, um, you'll find obviously, you know, for some months now, there's been, uh, you know, quite the flack going back and forth about the future of the game and the fact that uh, Turbine publicly said they were not going to have raids or instances moving forward. Um, and the reasoning they gave is that uh, less than 10% of the game, uh, less than 10% of the characters in the game engaged in instances, raids, and PvMP. And the PvMPers actually outranked the raiders, which, uh, you know, if you do the math, indicates that they need to be somewhere in the order of 4% of the active characters in the game or, or not. Actually, I take that back, 4% of the characters in the game. It's never been clarified whether that includes active characters or if they're counting every character that's ever been created, including the 20 crafting alts that you have out there and the ones in other servers that you never touch, which I, I actually believe to be the case. Um, Turbine has never come back and clarified those statements because I think they know how dangerous it is given the, the blow-up they had the first time around. As a matter of fact, the new community manager and the new producers are trying to back away from those comments and saying, look, it's not about the 10% anymore. It's about producing the best game possible and having the most appeal for the broadest group of players. Uh, so at least they're learning from their mistakes um, and moving in the right direction with the messaging. Uh, but this particular post, uh, you know, I think the original poster framed his argument well, was polite about it, and didn't kind of go on a you know excessive rant. He made his points. And then, um, you know, sat back and listened to, put on his flak jacket and watched the commentary form. And I think the last count I saw, there were like over almost 500 replies on the thread. So, of course, um, you know, all the casual gamers jumped in on the side of, uh, you know, they wanted the same access to the best gear out there. And I never raid. I'm glad they're doing, you know, providing the resources to do other things in the game. And all the people that like group content and the hardcore raiders chimed in and, and said how it's ruining the game and it gives no motivation to uh, to earn gear if there's nothing to do with it when you're done and, and all the other arguments and comments that have been out there for quite some time. So, um, you know, I don't want to go through all that argument. And, uh, you know, I'll go on record by saying that, you know, I'm firmly in the middle on this. Um, you know, there was some clear-minded discussion in the forum. Um, you know, there were a number of people that came forward and said, nobody is wrong. <laughs> There's only opinion. Finding balance for everybody is the key, right? Uh, the problem with the forum posts is that whenever you have someone that, like, takes, you know, a page-long message from somebody else and dissects it sentence by sentence and addresses every sentence with a counter-argument, you know, insisting that they're right and the other person's wrong, you know, it's going nowhere, right? Because the second, the first person's going to back, come back and do the exact same thing, and it goes back and forth, and no, nobody sees any middle ground. I was actually encouraged by the number of fair-minded people on this thread that chimed in and, and had a balanced view of what was going on. Um, the more interesting part to me is that uh, our producer, Production Malfunction, um, 
assistant producer, actually chimed in on the thread uh, several times. And uh, one of the comments that he made when someone was saying, you know, when I get to Endgame, I don't feel there's anything left for me to do. And other people were arguing, what, how could you run out of things to do? You can level alts, you can do this, you can do that. A million things to do. But those are things they like to do, right? The person that couldn't find anything they wanted to do had their own opinion. And their opinion was that there was nothing they wanted to do in the game at this point in time. So Production Malfunction's comment said, All I can say is I hear you, and some of it I agree with. We have plans and discussions about these topics all the time. Level-capped players and things to do. I hear you. So, again, he's not promising anything. He's not in a position to promise anything at this point. You know, promises uh, get broken, right? Just look at housing enhancements. But, um, again, I think the new regime uh, that is in place is doing a better job of listening to the player base. And they have shown, you know, in at least the small quantities that are available at their disposal based on their resources, that they're going to try to address... Um, the player issues. So I know that the, the the players that love raids and instances and grouping are frustrated that there's no commitment to do those things going forward. But in my opinion, um, their voices are being heard. And uh, I would not be surprised if, um, if there's a more balanced view moving forward. And we did see some group content down the road. Um, you know, I don't think it'll ever return to the level that we had before where it was the central focus of every expansion, we're not going to have expansions anymore. But heck, if they release a new region like the Great River and they have an instance in it, um, the Roots of Fangorn, um, that you can aspire to at the end of a grouped area, uh, you know, as long as there were some new instances flowing into the game that were of decent quality, I'd probably be okay with that. I wouldn't be thrilled. I'd love to have more. But I'd be okay as long as the other content they're producing is compelling as well. Um, so I think the new regime shows promise for those of us that'd like to see some level of instances in the game going forward. My money says it will happen at some point. Uh, you know, I think that Turboin is getting the message that no matter how much you pretty up a series of dailies for Endgame, in the end, you know, and they've tried several systems now, in the end it is the same. And there's only so much of it that you can get away with. They're going to have to innovate again at some point. Um, but... If you look at Lotro's track record, they have not been afraid to innovate. They have not been afraid to try mounted combat. They have not been afraid to try big battles. They have not been afraid to try Hitbold and the new DA, uh, DA daily system. Now, a lot of those things are <laughs> complained about by the players saying, um, you know, these aren't as good as raids and instances. Why don't you just give us those? You know, that's what we want. But actually, I think there are a fair number of players that do like the things that... Uh, that Turbine has tried, and as I said, they're, they're willing to try to innovate, and uh, um, you know maybe they haven't hit the sweet spot yet with it, but I think they've had some good ideas here and there, and we can only hope that they'll put it together in the future uh, to find some compelling content. Uh, so one corollary discussion that happened in that thread is uh, an argument over our ability to, you know, it's saying that we're finally getting to Gondor, we're finally getting to Minas Tirith, we're in the Dead Marshes, which is adjacent to Mordor. You know, we can see Mordor on the horizon. Um, you know, so there was a discussion over, you know, where are we going after, after Minas Tirith, and will we be able to penetrate Mordor? 
And the purists say no. You know, they're, they're lore freaks up and down the chain saying, you know, Frodo and Sam and Gollum are the only ones that, uh, you know, got into Mordor. The book's very explicit. You know, there's no room for anyone else to be there. We can't be having a raid on the slopes of Mount Doom and, like, you know, pushing them up there or guarding their back or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I think there, everyone wants to see Mordor, right? It's going to happen at some point in time. It's, you know, again, it's the biggest, baddest, most evil place in the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, if they can tap Angmar in terms of the creepiness of it, they'll be on a good track as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, they're, I think they're right to some degree. You know, we can't have hundreds of characters running around over, you know, the central plains of Mordor in and out of the armies that are there. Um, you know, that would be somewhat immersion-breaking. But I think there's ways um, that we can get into Mordor during the course of the Ring story. Uh, you know, saying that there's no way anybody else can ever, you know, pass the gates of Minas Morgul. I, I think there is room for that, much as we've done with the Dead Marshes. If we move through there after Frodo and Sam have moved on, you know, and the, the two armies of orcs have decimated each other, should be uh, possible for people to slip through that passage. Um, we're going to have, we're going, listen to me, Turbine, we're going to have a 12-man raid in the caves of Shelob, uh, right? Maybe to open up the passage to Mordor if you want, make it a server-wide unlock or whatever you want to do. Uh, but I think there's room for us to move in Frodo and Sam's footsteps behind them. You know, and I think there's room in the narrative to say, you know, there's something we can do in Minas Mor Morgul to try to draw the attention of the eye, just, just as uh, Aragorn is doing at the front gates. Um, you know, maybe it's to stop, uh, you know, a contingent of orcs from moving across the plains or... Uh, you know, forces rallying from that location or whatever the case might be. I, I think there's room in the narrative to say that we could be doing something there and we could penetrate the skirts of, you know, the outer skirts of, of Mordor, even if we can't be kind of storming up the cliffs of Mount Doom. So all these people that are saying that, you know, that's lore-breaking, it's not possible, I, I, th I think there's room for it if they do it the right way. Maybe they need some new text so that if you're running around Mordor, it's instance or it's session player, it's layered, so that you don't see tons of players. Um, you know, you can be a hero that's, uh, you know, following in their wake and trying to help. Um, today's landscape quest paradigm is probably not going to work, where you have to run out and kill ten orc chieftains across the plains, or you know, collect uh, collect Frodo's buttons, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, you know, the, the other possibility is that we could see Mordor post-ring destruction uh, for explore, exploration and cleanup duty. And I know people said, you know, look, Baradur is utterly destroyed in a wave of destruction that couldn't possibly be anything left. But again, I think there's room for uh, some of the fortresses of Mordor outside of Baradur to, um, you know, to still exist, to still have remnants of the armies uh, hiding or trying to regroup in them. And maybe even, you know, the foundations under Barador somewhere, uh, you know, heavily destroyed, but, you know, still active for exploration. It's, you know, it is one of the biggest structures ever created in the history of Middle-earth. So uh, I think there's room for pieces of it to be, uh, to be intact. And that could be an exciting way to explore Mordor as well. We know that 
Aragorn and his uh, you know faithful troops had uh, you know many fights they faced after the War of the Ring to try to clean up the vestiges of all the armies fleeing around the landscape. Um, you know, I think it's interesting we're finally talking about post-Mordor content. You know, we finally got close enough that people are looking and saying, you know, when they drop the ring in, yeah, we're going to lose a percentage of the player base. There's there's no way around that. But, um, you know, there are other options. Uh, there's the country of Harad, where the Mumukil pits are. There's Mount Gundabad and the mountains to the north. There's, uh, you know, uh, additional exploration of Erebor. Um there's the destruction of Dol Guldur by Galadriel, which could be a book that follows uh, the destruction of the ring, perhaps. For my money, um, Harrod and the Easterlings uh, beckons and cleaning up the pits of the Mumakil. That could be exciting. Anyway, it's nice to speculate about, and it's nice to see some even-handed discourse in the forums and some responses from Lotro, uh, you know, the Lotro staff and producers. Again, hope for the future. That brings us to the end of the 15th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for absolution. On Facebook or Twitter at Bragson of Ballon, or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you to take the time to create an iTunes review. If perchance you are so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. My five iTunes reviews that are out there are very lonely. If your comments incite me to forego my dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So, I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your time this week in Middle-earth. This is Bragg, son of Balan, signing off. Baruch Kazad! And remember, when you're standing at the end of the wound wing hallway, waiting for a gate to rise while a giant mammoth bears down on you, and you see four members of your party in an adjacent hallway go link dead and or die, don't despair. Light the beacons. Speaking of which, Grima, our tubers are burning. I told you to keep an eye on them. What the heck is wrong with you, boy? What is your major malfunction? Go run five laps around the sunless sea. Go, go, go!